So about four weeks ago, the well-loved author and speaker, Bob Goff, tweeted this. Note, first time I've ever quoted a tweet in a sermon. I'm so cool, okay? I'm so cool. But this is what he tweeted about four weeks ago. Every decision we make is driven by love or fear. Who we toss the keys to determines where we'll end up. Who we toss the keys to determines where we'll end up. Months ago now, I was praying about a theme for our church this fall. And I discerned fairly quickly that we need to talk about fear. Because my friends, I'm convinced that far too often, fear does the driving, right? Fear does the driving right now in our politics. Fear does the driving in our families, in our priorities, in our interactions with the world around us. And I'm equally convinced that God demands better of us, that God desires better for us. Take, for instance, the story that Kyle began with the children just a few minutes ago. Moses and the burning bush, one of those pivotal stories from the Old Testament. And here in the third and fourth chapter of Exodus, there's so much going on. There's so many sermons that could be preached here. But I want to look at just one thing. One thing. The fear that Moses displays when God calls him to spectacular service and leadership. Fear that literally stops him in his tracks. Fear that overrides the good news of deliverance, that overrides the promise of a land of milk and honey. God's plan to save the Israelites, to deliver them from slavery, to bring them to a new home, that plan, it called for action on Moses' part. It called for courage on Moses' part. And what's the first thing that comes out of his mouth after hearing this good news? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Friends, that is Moses' first toss of the keys to fear, right? He imagines returning to Egypt. He imagines trying to speak to the Israelites. Hey, friends, good news. God's delivering us. Let's go camping in the wilderness together. He imagines speaking to the Pharaoh, saying, great, Pharaoh, guess what? God said that you should let your entire empire building free slave labor workforce just go. Now don't get angry with me, I'm just the messenger. Moses imagines this, he tries it on, he sees the myriad of ways that this could go wrong and fear grips him. So he tosses the keys again. Exodus 4.1, Moses says, suppose they won't believe me or listen to me, but say the Lord didn't appear to you, Moses. God's plan has serious flaws in Moses' estimation. 
He sees no reason for a nation of slaves to listen to him, to believe him. Fear takes hold and he tosses the keys one last time. Now in Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13. Listen again for the word of God. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But Moses said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Now don't be too hard on Moses, right? Imagine, imagine being Moses in that moment, right? Face to face with the living God, the opportunity for salvation for all of Israel on the one hand, right? And the very real knowledge of his limitations and everything that could go wrong on the other. Fear on the one hand and hope or faith, trust in the other. And Moses allows his fear, his fear of failure to drive this conversation. Fear of failure. Can you relate to that? I sure can. When the Methodist pastor Adam Hamilton surveyed his large Midwestern congregation, fear of failure was the number one fear of those under the age of 50. For those over the age of 50, it's still ranked number four. The fear of failure, Hamilton writes, along with the awful accompanying scenarios that we imagine of shame or the inability to provide for those we love, it is one of the most prevalent of human fears. A culture that makes success, or at least the appearance of it, the only option for everyone, starting at childhood, exacts a steep cost. A culture that makes success, or at least the appearance of it, the only option for everyone? Welcome to West Austin, right? In my own unscientific poll at our annual church retreat last April, when I asked many of you about your fears, fear of failure was the number one answer for us as well. And here's what's really important about that. When you throw the keys to fear, when you let the fear of failure do the driving, you are absolutely going to miss out. You're going to miss the opportunities and the possibilities that God places before you. You're going to miss out on the life that you were meant to live. The fear of failure paralyzes us as surely as it paralyzed Moses. The young couple who's afraid of failing at marriage, maybe because they've watched so many others do so, they never move ahead and make a commitment. They miss out on what God might have built with them in a committed marriage. 
the friend who's afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing, afraid of failing in caring, doesn't reach out to a friend in need and misses the opportunity to be an instrument of God's love. A young person afraid of failing a test or an assignment will procrastinate and not do their best. And in our vocations and avocations, we turn down opportunities to make a difference, opportunities to take leadership, to do something extraordinary. And we do this all the time. Why? Because of the risk of failing. It's just too great. I've heard this even affects PNCs sometimes afraid that they might make a mistake, and so it's hard to move forward. What would it mean, my friends, to live faith, not fear? What would it mean to face our fear of failure head on, to recognize it, to name it, to understand it, and then to approach our fear of failure with faith? Well, I think it would mean at least three things. And if I were you, I'd write these down because these are going to be good. <laughs> to face our fear of failure with faith, first we have to acknowledge and seriously confront our idolization of success, at least success as our culture defines it. There is nothing in Scripture that suggests a life of faith will bring health and wealth happiness, a good reputation, or loving relationships. Yet we continue to measure our lives and the lives of others by such standards. Nowhere does God call us to success in these terms. God didn't call Moses to success in those terms. No, God calls us to more than that. God calls us to relationship, real relationship, deep relationship, to purpose, to something larger than ourselves, and God calls us to risk. When we give up the idol of success, failure, failure for the right reasons and for the right cause holds no fear. Secondly, if we are going to face our fear of failure with faith, we have to learn to embrace and appreciate failure as part of the life with God. Friends, there is a reason why fear of failure moves from number one fear for those who are younger down the list as we get older. And it's really because as we get older, we have failed so many times, right? And not only have we failed multiple times, we begin to see learnings and, dare I say, blessings and maybe even direction in our failures. I stand before you at 40, 57, not 47, 57. That is hard to say. That is hard to say. At 57, proud that I have failed. I have failed miserably. <laughs> I have failed spectacularly, actually. And like many of you, I believe my failures have often glorified God more than my so-called successes. It was in fact spectacular failure that brought me to Austin, that brought me to this church, 
<laughs> that brought me to this moment as your leader. So failure doesn't frighten me. And third and most importantly, if we're going to face our fear of failure with faith, then we're going to have to understand fear of failure as being rooted in sinful pride. You see, fear of failure presupposes that everything's about us, that everything is up to us. Fear of failure doesn't let God be God and doesn't take God's activity and God's plans into account. It leaves no room for God to act upon our lives or direct our lives. It leaves no room for trust and faith. Moses learned this in a mighty way in chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Exodus. Remember God's first response when Moses first threw the keys to his fear? When he said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should lead the Israelites out of Egypt? You remember what God said? He said, I will be with you. He did not say, you're going to be a smashing success, Moses. <laughs> he said, I will be with you. This is my plan, Moses. This is my story, Moses. You needn't be afraid. And when Moses tried to back out by telling God about his speech problems, God answers, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what you are to speak. Go, I will be with your mouth. Not go, you're going to be an eloquent speaker and your sermons are just going to slay people, right? No, he says, I will be with your mouth. This is my plan. This is my story. You needn't be afraid. Well, you know the story. You know that Moses did move forward. He actually didn't have much of a choice. He moved into God's story. He took his place, his vulnerable, scary place as a leader of Israel, and he didn't always succeed. In fact, he actually never saw the promised land. But God never left his side, never. And God made accommodations for his weakness. I mean, he got magic tricks to awe the people. He got Aaron to go along and, and speak for him at times. He got plagues and miracles of all kinds to back him up. And when it was all said and done, it was God who succeeded. And Israel learned the lesson that each of us must learn as we face our failures and our fear of failure. It's a lesson that's recorded in Psalm 46. You may have noticed we've been singing and hearing Psalm 46 this entire service. It says that God is our refuge and our strength, that God is our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth might change and move, God's in the midst of the city. It won't be moved. That God will help when the morning dawns. That when nations are in uproar and kingdoms totter, God utters a voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And friends, when you have that strength, 
and that refuge. When God is in the midst of your life, in the midst of your mourning, in the midst of your city and your fear and the risk you are taking, when God's story is unfolding in your life, there is nothing to fear. Nothing. The Gospel of Mark tells a beautiful story about Bartimaeus, a blind man leading the difficult life of a beggar and an outcast in his day and time. But Bartimaeus had heard about this Jesus. He heard that this might be the promised one. This might be the son of David, the one who could make a difference in his life. So he took a risk. As Jesus was walking by, he just started yelling. He just yelled and yelled. He wouldn't stop. People tried to shush him. People derided him. But he kept shouting, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't afraid of the crowd. He wasn't afraid of their ridicule. He wasn't afraid of being rejected. He just kept shouting. And then the message came. Take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling. Take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling. In Greek, it says that with one swoop, he threw his cloak off and he leapt to his feet. No hesitation, no fear. He threw his keys that day and let love drive. He let mercy drive. Your faith has made you well, Jesus said. His faith made all the difference. Every decision we make is driven by love or fear. Who we toss the keys to determines where we'll end up. Honestly, I don't know what you might be afraid of this day. I know my own fears. I fear that this will be a lousy sermon series. <laughs> I fear that no one will come to church. I almost got my wish today. Yep. I fear that no one will come back next week. I fear that the PNC will need another year to find a decent pastor. <laughs> but whatever you fear, whatever fear you are holding in your heart and in your hands, don't throw it the keys. Don't do it. Throw the keys to our God who wants to include you in a divine kingdom story. Throw the keys to our God who accommodates our fear and our sin with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Throw the keys to the one whose perfect love casts out every fear. And let all God's people say, amen. Let us pray. God, we, um, we hold fear so tightly at times. And we allow fear to run our lives and to drive. So be with us now. Help us to let go and help us to throw our keys to you. Thank you for your perfect love that casts out fear. Amen.